everyone and welcome back to Redrawing the Bath. Today I have the special opportunity to welcome someone who whose work has been very formative in, in my spiritual development and one of the first people I, I encountered on my journey of deconstruction. Uh, you'll know him as an author and a co-host of, of the podcast, The Heretic Happy Hour. Welcome to the show, Keith Giles. Keith, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, wow, Chris! Thank you so much, um, man. It's nice to nice to meet you, and great to be on your podcast, and especially to talk about this topic. It's something I'm really uh, excited about. Yeah, no, I I was so honored and humbled when you when you got back to me so quickly. It it, it really meant a lot to me. But but first question, I guess, right out the gate. Uh, so you've written Jesus Untangled, which is about nationalism. You've written Jesus Unbound, which is about uh, separating Jesus from the Bible in regards to the Word of God. You've written about, or Jesus Undefeated, which is about eternal conscious torment, leaning more towards universalism. And then you wrote um, Jesus Unveiled, which is about uh, the church as, as it's supposed to be. So I just got to ask you, Keith, when do you think you're going to write a book that stirs the pot a little bit? Wow, wow, wow. That is a great question, Chris. Because um, you know what? Here's what's so funny is like, I, no, number one, I got to say, I don't write, I really don't write, like I don't sit here going, okay, what, how can I piss people off? I mean, that's really, <laughs> that's not what I'm doing. I mean, I, some people don't probably don't believe me, but that is, I, I really am not trying to be controversial. It's just, because mm -hmm. frankly, a lot of things I'm talking about, I don't think they're controversial at all. Like to me, what I'm talking about is, uh, I believe should be normal Christianity. Um, it's only mm -hmm. controversial because uh, I think, you know, modern American Christianity has gotten so far away from Jesus that this is kind of, it, it gets, it gets interpreted that way. Um, hmm. But, you know, it's true because like every time, I think when I, when I first published Jesus Untangled, the one about nationalism and politics, I honestly thought, well, you know, I'm going to get death threats. And then I didn't. <laughs> and then I, then I wrote the one on uh, the Bible and I had been friends telling me, don't write that book, dude, you're going to get so destroyed. But I did it anyway. <laughs> and then the same thing, I, I didn't get, bricks through the window or anything like that. Um, and, then, and then when I certainly, when I wrote the one on the one I just came out with the one on hell, I mean, come on, look what happened to Rob Bell. But, um, but in <laughs> Farewell instead, Keith Giles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Farewell <laughs> Keith Giles. But you know what, here's the thing about that is that, you know, Rob Bell, he did take a lot of heat for that when he came out with his book, Love Wins. Mm -hmm. But, but again, he was a pioneer. Like he was kind of the guy who took the bullet for the rest of us and blazed the trail so not as if people aren't pissed off about this topic still, but now there's more voices out there. Like, uh, you know, I'm not alone in this. So it really mm -hmm. helps, I think, you know, in that regards. Um, but I don't know, maybe my next book's going to be about kind of debunking the whole end times dispensational, you know, stuff. So left behind kind of stuff. So maybe that, maybe that's the one, maybe that's the one that I'll get, you know, win my controversy badge. I would assume so. That 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 seems to be a very touchy subject, which is which is crazy because when I when you bring up issues of of salvation and issues of inerrancy or anything like that, sometimes people don't really respond. But the minute you bring up a rapture or or heaven or or whatever, people start getting real mad. So it, <laughs> it, that might be the one. Right. Um, but in, in all in all seriousness, tell us a little bit about about your faith journey and uh, and where you've been with Jesus, like when you first encountered him to where you are now. Okay. Well, this is only like a 45 minute podcast, so I'll try to keep it brief. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> I, 
the funny thing is, I think I honestly, uh, I was a, um, before I knew what a Christian was and before I knew what a church was, I, I was like, as a kid, I would just talk to God. I mean, we never went to church. I never, I didn't know who Jesus was, but I knew there was a God. I just it's a, it kind of instinctively believed there was a God and, and I would talk to God, I'd lay in bed, you know, as a kid, like first grade, second grade and talk to God. And, um, hmm. and so it was later in my life that uh, maybe because I was asking a lot of questions about God that my parents couldn't answer, we ended up going to a church and then suddenly uh, I, I kind of got some answers that made sense to me and, you know, and then walked the aisle and said the prayer and blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was probably about nine or 10 years old. Um, you know, and then unfortunately, of course, you know, then you sort of have to, uh, you're told a bunch of things by people that you trust in authority, pastors and Bible teachers and Sunday school teachers and things like that, uh, that God is like this and the Bible is like that. And this is the only way to think of these things. And so, well, you just take it at face value. And I did for a long time. Um, became a, uh, I got licensed and ordained as a pastor uh, in my early 20s uh, at a Southern Baptist church in El Paso, Texas. Uh, same, pretty much the same year I think I got married. And, um, and soon after that, my wife, Wendy, and I moved to California. We helped to plant some church, uh, well, we planted a church and served at different churches. Um, and then I guess about, I guess now it's been about almost 13 years ago, uh, walked away from that church. I always say like I left the pulpit to follow Jesus. Um, cause we, we felt a calling to, to walk away from that traditional church to start a house church. And these were churches that met in homes and the goal was to give away hundred percent of the offering to the poor in the community, because the more we looked at the early church, the more we realized this is what the early Christians did with their money. They, they helped the poor, the orphan, the widow, you know, uh, the sick. And, um, we really felt like that was something we were called to do as well. So we did that for 11 years. That was the best thing I've ever done with church mm -hmm. on it. And then certainly I think my deconstruction kind of came right about the time we left to start that house church. So, I mean, just before that, um, I had my paradigm shifted about the gospel, that it wasn't about saying a prayer just so I can go to heaven. Um, that blew my mind. And then that completely changed the way I looked at everything. And then once we left tradition, once we left the traditional church structure and moved into the house church direction, we didn't take any, uh, you know, denominational covering, uh, we didn't have a statement of faith. So we were really at that point kind of sort of free range Christians. Um, mm -hmm. We could believe anything if it made sense. We didn't any, have any fear or concern that we were going to get kicked out of something or lose some kind of funding or some kind of covering or whatever. You know, we didn't want or believe and believe in any of that. And so because of that, that was probably why I started rethinking what I believed about women in ministry, about homosexuality, about um what the church was all about, uh, what hell, what I believed about hell, um, you know, nationalism and all the, all the things I ended up writing my books about. Hmm. No, that, that, that's, that's amazing. And that just leads into so many other messages you're probably going to get from me of, Hey, do you want to be on to talk about this? <laughs> um, sure. But, uh, so many, so many questions, um, but also so many answers. And I guess that leads me to my next question of, obviously you, you had a lot of freedom and a lot of range to kind of operate in, in, in a context that I, I genuinely believe, and I'm sure you do as well, that that is the future of the church. 
um, as it stands, but were there any people in your life that really pushed back uh, hard? And, and what was that like for you internally? Oh yeah, big time. Um, well, the biggest pushback, honestly, that I got was when we left to start the house church. And so I had a lot of friends who were pastors of traditional churches at the time, mm-hmm. um, who were good friends of mine and, um, and some people we'd even planted a church with. They pushed back the hardest, um, some of them to the point of kind of blacklisting us and talking about us to other people, like basically we had we had left the faith or we were um, being led astray. Um, mm. Basically, we were dangerous, you know, don't listen to us. Uh, some of that was private, but that was painful too, just because, you know, we'd see people that we had served with from these other churches. We'd see them at Costco or Target or Walmart or something, and they pretend not to see us there, you know, kind of ignore us and stuff. That sucked. Um, but then some of them opposed us very, very publicly and very openly, like online or my blog or on Facebook. And that was especially painful. Just these are like, you know, like mm. I've been to your house. I've, your kids have played with my kids. I mean, we spent time together. We served together. We baptized people side by side. And now just because we we don't agree on ecclesiology, like you're, you're like acting as if I'm not your brother. And mm. that was very, very painful. So Unfortunately, though, that's part of the deconstruction process I think a lot of people go through is that once you start questioning certain things, there are certain things that once you start uh, admitting, and I, you know, a lot of people do this in the closet, but once you actually admit to people, hey, you know, I don't know that I believe this about the Bible anymore, I don't think it's inerrant or infallible, or I don't think I believe in eternal conscious torment, or I don't think I believe in penal substitutionary atonement theory or whatever, um, you are probably going to start losing friendships. Uh, you might mm. lose fellowship. You might get kicked out of some churches and you might even unfortunately have some family members uh, who decide not to invite you to the next birthday party or family event. You know what I mean? And that's so mm. it's super, super painful. It's um, I went through it and I know a lot of other people I've talked to have experienced that kind of rejection from people. Um, so there's a psychological, emotional, you know, component to this in addition to the theological change of mind. Yeah, no. It, what what would your advice be, like right off the bat? Advice be for someone who is either going through it in 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 private or going through it in, in a very public manner. So there, for at least for me, there, like there there are still things that I'm I'm internalizing, and I'm I'm really I think one of them is like you said, homosexuality. That's something that I'm really doing the work to 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 figure out. And then there are other things that I'm more vocal about what what would your advice be to someone who's kind of doing it hidden and and someone who's doing it very very openly yeah well i guess the first thing i'd want to say to people who are kind of deconstructing in private for, the first thing i want to say is uh, there's no there's no shame in that like i don't want anyone mm. to feel like oh because i'm not out front bold about it you know i'm I'm sort of a, I'm a wimp or I'm a whatever, you know, any, I'm a coward or something like that is not true at all. In fact, uh, in fact, I think it's actually very wise, <laughs> especially early on yeah. as you are questioning these things. Cause here's the thing. Why, why would you be doing this, you know, privately? Like, why would you be processing this, you know, uh, kind of like, um, behind closed doors? Well, because you know, instinctively that the minute you do, breathe 
any of this out loud, you are going to lose potentially, right? Lose mm. um, the most valuable friendships and connections and relationships in your life, right? Family members, good friends, and 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 church family members. Um, and you're right about that. Here's the thing: you are right about that. So you are right to mm. kind of like take your time about that. Um, and the other thing is the other reason why I think it's okay to do that privately is that I think people need time to really take the, take the time to process through your doubts and your questions. Like don't just have a doubt and then blurt it out because you haven't even really thought it through yet. And now you're going to get people, they're going to come at you over the top, like a tsunami, right? With 50 different verses of scripture and condemnation and and fear and all that you better not God's going to get you. And you know, you're in danger of losing your salvation, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? So, so don't, that's, that's one reason why you should probably just wait and just take the time to really think it through and process it and read and study and really, really decide what do I believe about this? Okay. Because hmm. the, the, because now if you finally do come out with it and you, then you do get that reaction you, then you're a little more equipped, I think, to explain yourself, to say, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I used to think that. I used to believe that too, um, for the same reasons that you believe it, but here's why I changed my mind. And then you can come back and mm. say, well, here's here's five things that changed my mind. Whereas I think if you do it a little too early on, you're more likely to just get bulldozed. Um, yeah. So that's 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 the one thing for people that are processing it in private. For those that are processing it out loud and you are getting pushback and you are losing, you're having arguments and you're losing relationships, I think what I would want you to keep in mind is how important it is, at least to me it was, and I think this is very important to, because I think we need, to, we need to deconstruct with an eye towards reconstruction. So if mm. you have a hope down the line, of moving into something like reconstruction. We can talk about that in a second, what that would look like. But I don't think you can really, really go through reconstruction until you have dealt with some of these damaged relationships, which mm -hmm. means you should prepare yourself that one day you might have to forgive these people. You might have to uh, learn to love these people. And so uh, if you're going through it in the open and you're having these arguments and you're having these divisions, please, please, please. I think you need to take seriously the, that scripture verse that says, as far as it depends upon you, learn to be at peace with all men. And um, so that means you are going to have to, I would encourage you to, to have so much grace for people who are going to be reacting to you in very unchristlike ways. And to recognize that they're doing that, be, so it's not them. Like, don't don't be angry at them. Don't be disappointed in them. Understand that they're doing that because they are still slaves to a system that manipulates them through fear. And, the, and so mm -hmm. there's no other way for them to react to you except using fear, um, you know, as a tactic. I mean, that's the main, you know, manipulator for, for the, this religious system, this toxic system that you have deconstructed out of, but your friend hasn't. They're still the victim of that. So I think if you keep all those things in mind um, as you're deconstructing, uh, I think down the road, it'll be much easier for you to sort of clean up the mess <laughs> and, and start getting ready to move, move forward in this process of, uh, towards reconstruction. Yeah. And it, it's so interesting that, that you bring up, that you bring up reconstruction and, and obviously we're talking about it, but I, I don't know if you saw, but a few days ago, the gospel coalition posted an article about, um, 
how exvangelicalism is more shallow than uh, evangelicalism because it's just fundamentalism in the opposite side of the pendulum. And I actually reached out to the author and I said, maybe you weren't able to reconstruct because you didn't have the tools to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I genuinely believe that I've, I've, for so many people, this is brand new territory. I've, I've, I, I could be completely wrong, but it seems like the reconstruction terminology is, is very, very new and, yes. and very, very young. Um, but it's important work. And, and I, I, I love that, that so many people that I look up to and so many people that so many other people look up to are, are, are either entering into that or recognizing that they're in it. So let, let's talk about reconstruction of, of what, what's been going on with you and, and where you've, where you're going with your work. Right. Well, you know, I haven't read that Gospel Coalition article because I make it a point not to read anything <laughs> that those guys yeah. do. <laughs> Although sometimes it can be really great uh, fuel for my next reactionary blog post. But um, but I won't. Yeah. But you know what? I, having not read the article, but just kind of what, how you described it, I think I might even agree with what their thesis is because that's one of the things I try and deal with. Um, so I started this course about, uh, gosh, now I guess it's been... Well, it was back in October of last year. So I started this mm-hmm. course called Square One, and it was an attempt to help people who have gone, th- who are going through deconstruction and who want to move on towards reconstruction. And one of the things that I identified, so one of the things that we, we deal with in this course is forgiveness, as I mentioned. But the other thing we mm-hmm. deal with, and early on, I, this is like one of the first, first or second uh, sessions that we deal with, is that we need to... We need to, as we're going through deconstruction, recognize that one of the things that we need to deconstruct from is our addiction for being right. Mm. Um, like, I think that's one of the fundamental problems with Christianity in America right now is that we have we act as if the gospel is about having the right information about God. And if you have the right information, you're a Christian. But that isn't true. And so the, the reality is that the gospel is about transformation, and that's about an actual you know, organic connection to the living God. And, um, and so, so it has nothing to do really with the, the, um, your doctrines, your theology your, or your orthodoxy, um, your beliefs about different things about God or about Jesus or about the Bible or et cetera. Um, that's less important than sort of the orthopraxy, this connection that you have with God. And so if we understand that, so we're deconstructing out of a system that is completely built on the on the lie that Christianity is about being right. Okay, good. We understand that, and now we're backing out of it. We're moving out of that, and now we're changing our beliefs. And now the danger is that now I have a new belief about hell, or a new belief about the atonement, or a new belief about the end times, or, or the Bible, or whatever it is. Right? I've, I I now have deconstructed my old belief, and I'm I'm starting to construct a new belief. The danger is that we now become just as fundamentalist and I'm right and you're wrong and us and them as we were back when we were in that old system. And hmm. it's just as toxic. So now we have a toxic deconstruction. And uh, that's something we have to, again, I, I, I help people, I want to help people work through this because um, if we're not careful, it's just, we're just going to end up with something that we're going to have to deconstruct from this again a few years from now. Because we now we're going to build something and let the cement harden, and now we're going to 
fight people who disagree with us on this new thing we believe until our beliefs change on that thing. And then we're going to, oh crap, I'm wrong about that too. And now I got to deconstruct hmm. that again and I'm going to build something up again. And now, but now, you know, but I'm right now, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I do, I gosh, I, I'm like a broken record. I need to start paying money to Josh Lawson, my friend, Josh Lawson, because I quote him all the time, but he has this amazing quote where he says, you know, the funny thing about my worldview is no matter how many times it changes, I'm always right. And, <laughs> And it's the truth because that's what we do. And so I want to help us, people that are deconstructing, please don't do this. Please don't, um, you know, you need to break your addiction to be, to being right. We need to hold loosely to the things we believe and we need to be uh, comfortable and acquainted with mystery because the flip side of Josh Lawson's statement is this. I was wrong before. I'm probably wrong now and I'm going to be wrong mm. again tomorrow. About so so that yeah. means I should have grace for myself and for other people who believe something that either I used to believe but don't anymore, or believe something that I'm probably going to believe in five years. So um, mm. we have to be very careful. To I, I call it detoxing from our detox. Like we we detox out of you know uh, religion, uh, the status quo of Christianity. Great, that's good. But if we're not careful, we're just going to create a new status quo. So we have to break that cycle and that loop. Uh, and there's ways we can do that. So we work through how to, how do we can do that? Mm, no, that ma that makes so much sense. I, I'll never forget the day where I realized I was building on on a faulty foundation when I was using um I was proof texting to prove that I was right <laughs> out of uh, Peter Enz's book, The Sin of Certainty. <laughs> and uh, oh, the I irony, the that irony. I, oh, oh, I know. <laughs> I, I I immediately. I'm glad I caught myself because I would have made myself look like an idiot if I had. Uh, <laughs> If I'd actually posted that. So, so you would say then that, that the, I guess, deconstruction without reconstruction phenomenon or, or context, it, it, it's, it's founded upon the same obsession with being right. Is, is, am I right in saying that? No. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's the case. Um, and like what I realized was that I was part of that problem for a long time. Like, and I didn't mean it and I, I didn't intend to be, it's like, you know, I just went through my own deconstruction and as I've been deconstructing, I've been blogging about it and writing books about it, doing podcasts about it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's just like a natural thing for me. But then I just, like I said, I realized kind of like the middle of, of uh, 2019 that um, like everything I'm doing is focused on deconstruction. And like, I'm realizing there's really nothing about reconstruction. And then I started looking around and I couldn't really find anybody else who was talking about it or focused on reconstruction. And um, so the one, then I started saying, okay, look, I, I want to do this. I, I feel like I need to help. I'm going to help people um, move out, break out of this sort of out of this loop of deconstruction. Cause if we're not careful, like we just get stuck there. It's like a broken record, whatever. If you know what a record is, mm -hmm. <laughs> a vinyl, vinyl still a thing. People like vinyl. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. So, okay. Um, <laughs> we have to break out of this cycle and, um, and yeah, otherwise, yeah, we're never going to move on to reconstruction. And, uh, hmm. yeah, so I, I tried to identify, and I don't know, this is everything, but this is just what I identified, um, like four or five things that I feel like we need to do if we're going to really move on to deconstructions or to reconstruction. So I think that's forgiveness. We have to deal with that. Uh, because we need it, because it's good for us. Not, it's not because the other person needs it necessarily, but I need it. I I need to be someone who for, who knows how to forgive. Um, so, mm. so I need to, we need to work on that, and we need to break out of our 
um, deconstruction, detoxifying sort of loop. We need to learn how to rewire our brains. And you can do that, by the way. And we, we talk about that. That's <laughs> my favorite part is learning how to do that. Um, mm. And it's learning how to develop sort of practical grace. And then, um, then it's also developing new spiritual practices. Because um, when you deconstruct out of Christianity, you sort of give up doing a bunch of stuff. Like I don't do these things anymore. I don't go to church anymore. I don't go to men's Bible study anymore. I don't go to prayer meeting anymore. I don't attend these conferences anymore. I don't mm-hmm. pray or read my Bible the way I used to anymore. Okay, great. But you, but you, but what do you do? Like you've stopped doing a bunch of things, but you've not replaced um, any of those things with something that is actually positive and life-giving that actually affirms you and and helps you and you're trying to connect with God and living in a way that it is more spiritually, you know, uh, positive and joyful and, and life-affirming and all these things that, that now that you've, now that you've deconstructed all the negative crap and you've left that behind in a big pile, you know, in your deconstruction process, there's, there needs to be, we need to set ourselves free to, move towards the positive things, the good, to experience the really good things, the great things about this freedom that we have now, that we're not chained to that anymore. But most of us don't have any idea what that looks like. And how Mm. do I, you know, what do I replace those old things with? If I'm not, if I'm not doing this anymore, what am I doing now that's good and true and pure and life-giving and life-affirming and, you know, that's feeding me spiritually? Um, Mm. And so that's important. I think it's important to identify what those things are and it's going to look different for everybody. But to, uh, well, my goal is just to give people some options. Like, well, here are some things that I would suggest and you could do. And again, not, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's hmm. hopefully enough to get you started um, that you can begin creating these new sort of daily practices. And then the final thing is community. Because I think because deconstruction, you know, involves the um, the end of a lot of relationships for us, or at least the straining or of a lot of relationships that were important to us uh, in, in you know faith and family and fellowship. I, I really think we as human beings need connection. We, we really need other people. And so it's important, I think, to find, even if it's a small community, one or two other people that you can connect mm-hmm. with and grow with and, and uh, that they can help you in this process of reconstruction. So those are the main things that I, that I've identified that I think are essential for this reconstruction process. Hmm. No, that, that's, that's so good. Uh, I guess a, a twofold question as, as technically the, the, the leading expert in the reconstruction movement, what, so what is the cornerstone of, of reconstruction? And, and we've talked about, community and forgiveness and all these other pieces to it, but what is the cornerstone uh, of this thing? And, and what does it look like in, in daily life? Mm. Well, that man, first of all, Chris, you, uh, you do me too high an honor. I don't think I am the leading voice of <laughs> the reconstruction. <laughs> um, I want, I'd say I'm one of several, uh, because now that I've started doing this, I've noticed that I'm not the only one. There's a couple other people, uh, who, mm. who are out there. I mean, like, um, Jim Palmer is doing some good stuff. Uh, David Hayward, the naked pastor, is doing some good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I know Mark Karras has a book coming out. Uh, Carl Forehand has a book coming out. Michelle Collins has a book coming out. Um, as well as, you know, I have a book as well. But, like, I'm not the only person. So there's lots of, mm-hmm. thankfully, there's at least a handful of other people out there 
trying to put their arms around this thing. So I just want to say that. And then the second, to answer your question though, uh, when you ask what's the cornerstone, I think, and, and maybe I'm, you tell me if I'm not answering your question, because I, I guess I don't use the term cornerstone. I kind of say, uh, I talk about building a foundation because mm-hmm. I'm kind of using that metaphor of like of deconstruction and reconstruction, right? So like you tear down right. a building, you, you, you clear the rubble and you need to tear it down to a, to a foundation that is firm and strong and say, okay, this is sort of my bedrock. This is the, the one thing that if, if I don't know anything else, I feel like this is what I know. And I'm just going to base everything I build moving forward on this thing. And so maybe that's what you mean by cornerstone. I call it a foundation. Um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I would mean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now that we kind of on the same page with that. So, um, I'll be honest. What I recognized is that I don't get to say what that is. Like, I can't tell anybody what their foundation Mm. is. Like I can tell you what mine is and I can, and I'm trying to help other people like in this course that we're going through, you know, as we're meeting together and we're going through these things, you know, like over the next 90 days, we, we go this, like we meet twice a week and we talk about these things. And, but what I tell people is I tell them, yes, you need one. You have to find a foundation. You've got to decide for yourself. And I think that's why every person has to decide for themselves. What is your foundation? So for me, my foundation is simply, uh, maybe it's two things. I'd say it's, I, I think I could say that God is good and he loves me. Um, and I think that uh, that that Jesus is what the Father looks like, that Jesus is right mm-hmm. about who the Father is, um, and so those are my two foundational stones, if you will. And so I don't I don't know about anything else. I can't be sure of anything else. I mean, I I believe a few things about some other things, and I'm but I'm, again, I'm trying to hold those things loosely. I'm trying to build uh, my on that foundation of those two things. God is good, and God loves me, and Jesus is right about who who God is and who the, what, what the father looks like. And so I build everything on those two assumptions now, but, but what I've learned is like some people, for some people, they, they're not sure about Jesus yet. Like they're not even sure they, what they think about Jesus. Did he exist? Yeah. If he did exist, you know, did he say the things that he, that are in the Bible? I don't know. Did, if, was he um, a great teacher? Was he the Messiah? Was he the son of God? Was he, the second person of the Trinity. I don't know, you know? Um, and so again, everyone's got, like, I'm not, I can't assume, um, that everybody is in the same place, but, but what I need, what I want to help people do is to figure out what is their foundation. And again, it's gotta be a firm foundation. It's gotta be, it's gotta be your own. Don't let anybody else hand it to you. Don't let anyone tell you what it should be. You need to, to know as much as you can know anything this is my foundation and I'm going to, and I'm going to hang on to it moving forward. And, um, and I talk a lot about this again in, in, in the course, you know, how, how you can determine what this is and how you build on that. But, um, but it's important to have that. That really is the first step. Uh, once you, hmm. once you say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to move in this reconstruction direction, you need to figure out what your foundation is. Hmm. It, it, and that really reminds me of, in, in a lot of ways, talking about detoxifying through the deconstruction, it reminds me in a lot of ways of, of a 12, 12 step program mm. um, in the sense that, like you said, the foundation, it's not up to you in a similar way of the, within the 12 steps, it's you get to decide what your higher power is. No one can tell you what it is. 
and no one can try to even change your mind from what that higher power is to you. And and one of the one of the main things that that people in in AA or Al Anon or whatever it it might be like to say is one day at a time. And and I think that really does apply to to both deconstruction and reconstruction. So day by day, day in and day out, what would you say that looks like for someone who who has gone from the detoxifying deconstruction? Like to to continue with the terminology, has gotten their ninety day token, and uh, is uh is now walking into a, a a new season. What what does that look like to take it one day at a time? Well, um, I think some of the again, it's going to be some some things are going to be slightly different for each person, um, mm-hmm. but I think there are some important um, assumptions. I think that we need to move forward with. Um, and so that would be, uh, let me see. Um, I guess the idea that um, we don't know it, we don't know everything. So again, we need to mm. we need to be just humble and honest about the fact that um, whatever it is we think we believe that maybe even our own foundation stone, whatever that whatever that is, um, that's yours. But don't impose mm. anyone else, right? Um, and, and hold loosely to those things. Have grace for people that uh, believe a little differently from you. Um, you don't have, mm. we ha- you have to break your addiction to being right. You don't have to be, you don't have to prove to anybody else um, that you're right or, or that they're wrong. Um, I think you need to recognize that in some ways, deconstruction really never ends. In other words, the mm-hmm. part of you that should always be asking good questions that isn't satisfied with the status quo, um, for me anyway, I, I think you should always kind of hold loosely to those things that, that you think you believe. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and getting acquainted with mystery and saying, you know what, it's okay that I don't know the answer. It's okay to say, I don't know, I think, but I don't know. And now for a lot of people, that is terrifying, <laughs> right? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. what do you mean? I, I need to know. Well, yeah, we love knowing. We're kind of wired that way. We love knowing stuff. But we understand we're talking about God. We're talking about a being that, by definition, is beyond imagination. So how are you going to imagine mm-hmm. that God? Well, it's kind of impossible, right? God is higher and wider and longer and deeper. His love is greater. You know, it just it blows our mind. It transcends knowledge. Well, exactly. So so be acquainted with that. It, be Get used to... Um, recognizing that you don't have it all figured out and then no one does. Um, and then one thing I think we really have, we've really centered on this in the, uh, in the course that we're doing is how important it is to really learn um, really how to, how do I put this? Like to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth and development. Cause I think one of the, one of the problems mm. with how we got screwed up, um, in, in the religion that we had to deconstruct from was that we just accepted whatever anybody, any spiritual authority told us, our pastors, our parents, our Sunday school teachers, whatever, you know, um, televangelists or whoever. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so anytime you offload responsibility for, for your spirituality to someone else, you, you run that risk. So I, my, my thing, my encouragement to people is start taking responsibility for your own spiritual growth and development. It's not, it's, it's, this is you and God, and you have mm-hmm. to, you're, you're the one who's in charge of that. You're the one who's responsible for that. And, um, 
you know, don't just swallow things. Don't, don't, it's too easy. It's a temptation to just say, well, you know, I really like this guy. I'm just going to make him my spiritual guru. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am not anybody's spiritual guru. Dear God, do not call me your pastor. I'm not your teacher, your rabbi. I'm not your spiritual guru. Please. And nothing terrifies me more than the idea that someone is just going to do whatever I say or believe anything I say. Don't do that. And don't let, and don't, Mm. don't let anybody else, you know, take that place for you. Um, I think we have an amazing gift and the, 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 the new covenant is all about this, right? That there's nothing between, there's no mediator between God and man except Christ. So we just have this direct line between us and God, and we should take advantage of that. We should enjoy that. We don't have to go to a priest or a prophet or an apostle or a temple to go through any, any um, religious ceremony, uh, none of that. Like all of that is wiped away. So I think those are important. And then again, part of part of that is learning how to develop these new faith practices, which again, we are completely in control of. We can decide for ourselves what, what works and what doesn't. Um, we don't just go to meetings because everybody else is going to a meeting. We don't just stand up and sing hymn 21 because everybody else is singing hymn 21. Uh, you yeah. know, we don't raise our hands because everybody else is. Like, now if you want to, do it. But do it because you want to. Um, and so... Again, we, we, if we take spiritual responsibility for ourselves, um, then we have permission to do what works and to, and to stop doing what doesn't work. Hmm. What, with that in mind, it, it, thinking about doing stuff because you want to, I think about kind of the, the production that is the American church. I, I think back to, to times when I worked with uh, camp ministries and the the teaching and the worship and the games and whatever was always called the program. Mm-hmm. Um, with with reconstruction in mind, and, and with different church contexts kind of on the horizon for the sake of the survival of the church, quite frankly, what does what does the program, if you will, look like? Um, well, that's a great question. Um, in some ways, I um, I think we don't know yet. I I think. Mm. Um, and in some ways, that's I think really exciting. Well, one thing yeah. one thing that shocked me, and I didn't really expect it, and I, it's, it seems stupid that I wouldn't have connected these dots, but I didn't, because um, you know I, I I mentioned I I did house church for a long time, and my wife and I love it, and this is kind of like we really can't go back to church as usual anymore. Um, and in the context of how we gathered with other people for eleven years. Uh, well, and we did it again. Mm-hmm. We did it last year when we moved to Idaho for a year. We we started something very similar up in Idaho, and now we moved to El Paso, and we're hoping to start something like this again. But these are very unstructured, Jesus-centered kind of gatherings. There's a lot of silence and meditation, uh, just waiting in the presence of God, not for Him, but just waiting in His presence because He's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that that looks like we sh- we're just sharing testimonies or we're encouraging one another or we're maybe we're sharing communion together. Uh, we might sing some songs. We might not, uh, we share a meal together. Um, and those are just some really simple organic things that, that we've done for the longest time. But what I've recognized is, as, and again, it's only been going through this course with people. When we get to the part about community, you know, I hear all this feedback from people like, well, I, you know, I can't go back. There's no church in town. I feel comfortable sitting in the pew 
because there's no pastor mm-hmm. who's giving a sermon that I can, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to get upset about something. I'm sure that's going to be said. I don't agree with everything. Um, you know, where can I go? Like, how do I find community? How can I find uh, groups of people who I, I can hang out with and, and it won't trigger me and send me off spinning off in this other direction. So what I realized mm-hmm. all of a sudden was, well, holy moly, maybe people could kind of start these sort of home-based groups like, like we've been doing. And you don't have to call it a house church. I mean, it can be really simple. And again, it can take many different forms. It kind of depends on um, who shows up and, and what everybody agrees. Like, we'd like to do this. Well, okay, well, let's do that. So I think it could be more simple, more sort of fellowship, home-based kind of things, more something that looks more like getting together to grill some hot dogs and hamburgers in the backyard than it looks like, hmm. you know, having some formal organized uh, sermon and a song, kind of a program with the fog machine and the rock band and the sound system and the, you know, the bulletin. Uh, and much- But the Holy Spirit can't move unless you have the fog <laughs> machine, Keith. Come on. Oh, man. Well, I'm happy to say I discovered that that is not true, that actually the Holy, <laughs> the Holy Spirit moves. Uh, there can just be, you know, two or more gathered, he's in the midst, and some amazing, amazing things happen when we just get together with other people and get quiet for a little bit, be still and listen and wait and, uh, and expect that God is there and God is wanting to move and speak. And holy moly, does God move and speak and do some really cool stuff. Uh, when we kind of move all that other, all those other distractions to me, that's what they are. They're just distractions. Um, and barriers really, those things are all barriers to, what Paul describes in the New Testament as these one another's, there's like 58 one another statements in the New Testament mm-hmm. that frankly, nobody could actually uh, practice any of them in, in, in a traditional setting because it's impossible. There's no one anothering. We're all sitting there. Uh, no one can talk to each other. We're all listening to one guy up, at fr- up front. And um, you know, when it's over, we get in our cars and go home. Like we don't want another. Mm. So um, anyway, uh, I mean, now, again, some people, as they go through deconstruction and into reconstruction, they may be they they may be uh, may gravitate more towards these sort of home based church groups, like I'm talking about. And if anybody is interested in like how do I do that, I'm totally I can totally help people do that. I've got I got a book on it. I, I do a course on it, and I'll just have mm-hmm. advice for free. I mean, I'm just interested in helping people do this. But, but see, I also, I don't want to assume that it, it's only like that. Cause like, I, I've also seen some other things around the country that have sort of happened spontaneously. And I want to say that's cool too. So, um, I, I think though, it, whatever it looks like, it won't look like what we've seen over the past, you know, 50 or a hundred years, uh, hmm. of history, you know, of church history. I think, I think it will be different. I think we're going to start seeing some shifts. Uh, in the way people, once they go through deconstruction, once they move towards reconstruction, I think you're going to see some major changes. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm 23 now and I, I I felt a a, a call, whatever that means now into, into ministry when I was 16 and I, I'm in, I'm studying Bible at at the moment and I've always wanted to, to be in a ministry position. and, And as my deconstruction has gone along, I really have realized I don't really want to be a part of the institution. I'd love to do kind of what what you've done is is a, a home church model and not 
and originally I thought, oh, it's just me being selfish because I know it wouldn't survive in the institution. But I, I, as I, as I matured and, and really thought about it, I realized it was because I don't think the institution will survive with being bonded to the, the 501c3 uh, requirements um, with so many people either deconstructing or just in general leaving mm-hmm. um, in, in the direction that the church needs to go, it won't survive. So people are going to have to find new ways to manifest it. And I, I hope that one day I find it. Um, and I, I know we're coming to a close and I want to be respectful of your time. So with that being said, where can people find you and, and what are you working on? Well, yeah. Um, well, I'm easy to find. Um, my, I have a blog on Pathios. You can get there just by, you just type in your browser, my name, keithgiles.com, K-E-I-T-H-G-I-L-E-S.com. Um, that'll take you to my blog. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty active and um, pretty responsive on those platforms. Uh, I do a podcast called The Heretic Happy Hour with two other guys, uh, Matt DiStefano and Jamal Jamanji, and that's a blast. Um, hmm. I And if anyone is interested in what you and I are talking about, this whole like, you know, how do I go through this deconstruction thing and survive it? How do I find a foundation? How do I, you know, move on towards this reconstruction direction and journey? Um, I do have this course that I, like I said, I started, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of round two at the moment. Uh, so we're about halfway through this this 90 day course with a, a second batch of people, but we're going to start it up again in April, like April the 6th. And um, so if anyone is interested in that, if you'd like, you know, I'm, and I currently am, I'm offering some, both discounted seats as well as a couple of uh, sponsored seats. So if you can't, if you like, man, Keith, I would love to do this, but I just can't afford it. Um, don't worry about it. I got a couple of seats that are sponsored. And um, if you're interested in that, you can, you can do it for free. And I've got, every time I've done this, I've had probably almost close to half of them are people that have gotten in uh, on the sponsored seats because I just, mm-hmm. I, this is so important. I don't, I don't want anyone to like not be able to do this if, if this is something they, that they really need. Um, because of any financial situation. So if you're curious about that square one course, um, you can find it at uh, BK2SQ1. It's back to square one. So BK and the number two, SQ and the number one.com. And uh, you'll find all the information. There's a video there. There's a list of everything the the course involves and what you get. And um, I would love to, you know, to help people through that course over there if, if anyone's interested in that. Hmm. And you do have a hotline, right? <laughs> I don't have a hotline. My podcast has a hotline. <laughs> and if you ask me what the number is, I cannot tell you. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I asked Matt that when, when him and I talked and I was like, I once I once I get everybody on, I'm going to have to ask all of them if they have a hotline and, and see what how they respond to that. <laughs> um, what it, What are you working on right now? Well, yeah. So right now I'm kind of in between two things. So I, I'm finishing up um, and I'm hoping going to finish in the next couple of weeks. I'm finishing up a book um, based on the square one course. So the book will be called square one moving from mm-hmm. deconstruction to reconstruction without self-destruction. And uh, the goal is to have that out hopefully in April uh, of next year, of this year. And then as soon as I, as soon as I wrap that up, I'm going to be working on my next book in the Jesus Un series. This will be Jesus unexpected. And it's going to look at uh, the end times as well as dispensationalism and sort of the end times left behind 
you know, hype stuff about Jesus coming back any minute now and rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem and the Antichrist and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be, um, mm. yeah, I'm excited about that book. And so that'll be my yeah. next book. Hopefully that'll be ready. Uh, I'll be able to finish that up in time for like July. Dang. You're, you're kind of like the, the accessible NT right in the sense that you just push books and, and it's, it's amazing to me how, how, how quickly you, I feel like since I've, I've known about you, you've come out with like three books and I'm like, how is this guy doing it? Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's amazing. Um, but with that being said, uh, for anyone listening, go do the course, go get his books. His Keith, your work has been so formative to me, um, in so many different ways, both through the podcast and through your blog and, and, and through your books, it, it's been very helpful to me. And, and there are a few people that, and I genuinely mean it when I say this, there are a few people that, that, in this experience for me that without their work, I think of Brian Zonder, Brad Jersak, and I also think of you of, I don't know if I would have been able to be a Christian without some of the work that you guys have, have put forth. Um, because I didn't know that there were other ways to be a Christian. So I want to thank you and, and encourage you with that on the, on, on air and encourage anyone that's, that's wrestling through those things to go and, uh, and, and see what you're doing. Wow. Thank you, Chris, so much. That means a lot to me. And frankly, man, that's why I'm doing it. Cause I, uh, I get those kinds of, I get, I get people messaging me and calling me and contacting me with very similar testimonies and stories like that. And it just makes me want to do more uh, because I, I know it's not easy. I know there's a whole lot of people mm -hmm. out there who feel like they're alone and they feel like, you know, they're the only one thinking these things or doubting these things. And, um, yeah, thank you, man. It means a lot to know that, uh, that I've been able to help you because the guys you mentioned, Brad Jerzak and Brian Zahn, I mean, I, I would say Peter Enns, those guys, you know, they've done a lot for me too. And so I, I'm honored to be in that group. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and keep doing it because man, we need it. But anyways, I, I want to be sensitive to your time. So thank you so much, Keith. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. God bless.